You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. And welcome back. I am Heather Caro, and I am your host this morning for Real Presence Live. Thank you for joining me. I'm broadcasting here from the what we call the box room at the Mustard Seed in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And I am joined by Susan Albers. Good morning, Susan. Good morning, Heather. Thank Thanks you. for joining me. You're welcome. I'm glad you drove all the way over here to hang out with me. All the way across town, yes. All the way across town, all the way down Minnesota. Right. Where are you from? From the quilt room at the cathedral. Oh. With the ladies that I quilt with there. I didn't know you had a quilt room. We do. Wow. So, Summer Pilgrimage um, is a segment that we've been having on Real Presence Live for... Well, since summer started, and we're going to continue it for a couple of weeks because summer isn't over yet, which the high temperatures are letting us know that very well. But Cathedral of St. Joseph here in Sioux Falls is one that we cannot miss. Um, if you've never seen it, you need to come and see it. So let's talk about you first, Susan. Tell us a little bit about yourself. A little bit about myself. My husband and I um, moved to Sioux Falls in the 70s, uh, so we didn't get a chance to see the cathedral before the 1970s uh, okay. changes. Um, we were originally members at St. Michael's, and then when we moved to the cathedral neighborhood, we joined the cathedral. So we've been there about 30 years now, and uh, very uh, blessed to be able to volunteer there and um, Offer so, my time to the church. Are you considered a North Ender? Um, only having been in the that neighborhood for thirty years, no, I, I don't think that qualifies us as North Enders. Okay, the Ruttons would have something to say about. Yes, that. they would. <laughs> so, can you had briefly touched on the changes that were made in the seventies? You were there after. What kind of changes happened in the seventies? In the seventies, it was. Um, a movement to more modernize the interior of the church, okay. um, simplify, uh, paint over the walls. Um, they weren't happy with the color scheme in the paintings. They must have started to look old-fashioned to people. So uh, it was basically, as I always say, whitewashed in beige, several colors of beige yeah. over all of the artwork. So that's when that happened. That's when that happened. The... Um, Cathedral doors, the solid wood doors, were changed to glass doors. And so that was one of the major um, highlights of the restoration to me to have the glass or the wooden doors restored. Right. Because when I remember as a child going into the cathedral, everything. So we have these reliefs, uh, Stations of the Cross, and they're just these absolutely gorgeous reliefs, and they're in 3D. And just absolutely gorgeous, and they were all painted one color. Right. And then the decorations along the top of the church was all one color. Everything was one color, which was just... It was still a gracious, beautiful space, but the artwork, all those things you refer to up in the ceiling, many people didn't know were there. Right. The... The apostles are so prominent. I've heard several people tell me they didn't know the apostles were up there. Um, I'm not sure exactly what year it occurred, but the original chandeliers had been removed and put. Uh, there were spotlights put in the ceilings. So that made it very difficult to see the art up there. It was dark oh. when the lights were off. It was monochromatic. 
Um, huh. So until the restoration happened, we didn't know they were there, some of us. Wow. That's amazing. So did they change the altar at all back in the 70s? Um, yes. They changed the altar several times in the life of the church. The uh, the 70s, the major change is it was brought out from underneath the, the canopy or tester mm-hmm. and moved more forward in the sanctuary. So the tabernacle was still under the canopy, but the uh, um, altar was brought forward. forward. Yes. Okay. Is it true that the architect of our cathedral here in, in Sioux Falls is the same one that is from St. Paul? Yes, Emmanuel Masqueray. Um, okay. Designed that uh, St. Paul's, the Basilica of Mary in Minneapolis, St. Louis Cathedral, one in Wichita, many buildings in the region. Um, so if people have been to the one in St. Paul, um, which I have, Ours isn't that big. <laughs> Ours is not nearly that big. But um, it's just as beautiful. <laughs> very much so. Uh, we have all the beautiful things, just less of it. Yeah. We'll put it that way. Yeah. Um, yes, and I don't know that the two churches resemble each other in any way. Um, they're, uh, other yeah. than that, they're other just huge. beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, beautiful. So I always find that very interesting. Like, it's kind of like our our sister church in some ways, you know, since it was the same architect and, and whatnot. So fast forward, we, um, seventies, everything went monochromatic, one color, very bland, very boring. And I can remember, so we're speeding up to the nineties here. I can remember sitting in the cathedral and seeing big, paint chips falling off of everything. That's right. We had severe uh, water issues, moisture issues. The um, hill that this, on which the cathedral was built, there's a lot of water in the hill, a lot of springs. Oh. Um, so we had a very damp basement and uh, very um, damp air. And especially mm. in the wintertime, we had all the warm, damp air colliding with the cold glass in the windows. And it was... A, a, Literally, you know, the water would run down the windows, and oh, wow. there was always a dusting of paint chip and plaster around the perimeter of the church. Right. So that issue was addressed in the mid nineteen or about nineteen seventy with drain tiling okay. of the church um, and tuck pointing of the structure. That was the two main uh, stabilizing features that were done on the church. So taking care of the moisture issues. Um, justified our expense in repainting the church the beautiful colors that we have now yeah so when you heard that they were going as a parishioner of the cathedral i think i think people tend to forget um so i was christ the king but i was also over at the chancery when the remodel was happening and so as a chancery staff we had a part to play you know each parish had a part to play but this was your parish. Right. And I think that sometimes we forget, and I'm talking mainly Sioux Falls folks, that we forget that really the cathedral parishioners had a lot on your shoulders. Um, we did not so much financially. Um, we did our share, I would say. Uh, the total cost of the restoration was $16 million. But $13 million of that was in place before the work began. Yeah, Bishop Swain wouldn't let it start. <laughs> right. So uh, at the when it was completed, there were um, the final three million. One point five million came from all the other 
parishes in the diocese, and 1.5 million came from just our parish. And so we are debt-free where that um, restoration was concerned. So that is such a blessing. That is, well, and what a blessing to have such great parishioners that believe so much in the church, in that physical church that... We do. We we physically love the church, I guess. Yeah, Um, yeah. It's uh, uh, our spiritual home and such a gift. Well, we're going to... talk about kind of the restoration and how it got started. So was it Bishop Carlson that wanted to start it? He did begin the work originally, and then it was taken over by Bishop Swain. Okay. The final um, phase, I should say, of right. the basic three phases that occurred. Can you remember when Bishop Carlson started it to the rededication, how long of a period that was? Because I know fundraising started first. Well, it was 1997 when they uh began the tuck pointing and drain tiling. So I imagine the the fundraising must have begun before that. Sure. Um, and then t- until, then there was a few years of lull. Then the second phase involved the, the lower level of the church, which had been that um, dark chapel hall with a parish hall. Yeah. Um, so that entire area was opened up into the parish hall. The chapel rebuilt on the ground level at the, what was... Uh, formerly the sacristy. Okay, so the Sacred Heart Chapel. So we, yes. Oh, that's a whole nother discussion, isn't it? Right. And then there was a few, yeah, that's a beautiful space to visit yeah. as well. Um, then there was a few years of peace, and then they be, broke it to us uh, the, that they were going to begin that uh, third phase of repainting the church. Wow. And I think it was more than just repainting. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But that's, that's what the, the first words we heard were repainting. And then it became, yes, well, we're, we need to address the electrical. We were still dealing with the original electrical. Oh, wow. um, a new heating system, air conditioning was added. And we did not have that before. And that, that made, um, dries out the air, keeps it sure. stable. Um, the, a new sound system. Yeah. We have the video system now for recording mass so we can broadcast them television. Um, we've added a um, security system. What am I th- forgetting? Oh, the new lighting. The new lighting. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to discuss, I want to talk about the experience of going in their hard hats and what it looked like. It was just absolutely amazing. So for those that are just tuning in, we're talking to Susan Albers, and we're talking about the St. Joseph Cathedral here in Sioux Falls and its renovation that it had. How long ago was we're ten it? years now. That ten is, years now. This so, been completed. Definitely somewhere that you need to visit if you're going on a summer pilgrimage or a day trip to Sioux Falls. You must stop by and see it. It is absolutely gorgeous. We're going to come back and talk more about what you can see at the cathedral here on Real Presence Live right after this. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. Hi. 
Hi, I'm Carrie Dew, Executive Director at Riverview Place Senior Living Community in Fargo. For over 35 years, we've been honored to nourish our residents in mind, body, and spirit. We offer a full calendar of activities, events, and faith-based programming, and the best food in town. Our independent and assisted living residents thrive in our warm, comfortable, and compassionate community. We'd love to meet you. Call Marin or Katie today at 701-237-4700 to line up a tour. Are all sins forgivable, even suicide? I'm Father Chris Alar. Jesus said that there's only one unforgivable sin, the sin against the Holy Spirit. Basically, that means dying without repenting. But how can someone who dies suddenly, such as by suicide, have a chance to repent of any sins? Jesus tells St. Faustina that he comes to the soul at death and gives them three opportunities to repent. Regarding suicide, Catechism 2283 says, By ways known to him alone, God offers them the opportunity for repentance. In essence, the only unforgivable sin is not accepting the mercy of God. So to learn how to help your loved ones do just that, please visit suicideandhope.com. So I can personally pray for anyone you've lost and to get our book, After Suicide, There's Hope for Them and You which helps with any kind of suffering or loss, not just suicide. I promise it will help. Choose the number one nursing program in the nation, the University of Mary. Of more than 2,000 nursing programs nationwide, Mary is ranked number one by the National Benchmarking Service Mountain Measurement. 100% of our graduates pass their certification on the first try. And eligible nursing students receive their senior year of tuition free. Choose the best nursing program in the nation. Check us out at umary.edu nursing. That's umary.edu nursing. You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. And welcome back and good morning. I am Heather Caro and I am your host this morning for Real Presence Live. I am sitting with Susan Albers and we're just chatting about the Cathedral of St. Joseph here in Sioux Falls. It's a summer pilgrimage site that you need to come and visit if you're ever in the area. Um, it's up on Duluth. It's downtown. It is, uh, we call it the Beacon of Hope mm-hmm. because you can see it from so many places here in Sioux Falls. It sits up on a hill and it's just this grand, beautiful cathedral. I just love it. So we're talking about what it looked like before um, and then they announced that they were going to start stage three mm-hmm. of the restoration. Um, I worked at the Chancery at the time, so Susan and I both got to go in during the renovations. So let's talk about that. Well, I remember the first time I walked in when there were the pews were gone, the there were workers all over, and you could see some of the original murals on the walls that they were scraping the paint off, and you could see those murals reappear. Yeah. Um, the scaffolding. They had how seven stories of scaffolding seven stories. that they set up first in the um, sanctuary of the church and then kept moving it further and further east until they had all of the ceiling painted. Yeah. And it was very fascinating because they brought in a painter. I forget if they you- brought in Conrad Schmidt Studios from Wisconsin 
who were the original painters of the church from the 1940s. We're told uh, one of the grandsons of the original painters was here for the restoration. So there were several, and I call them artists. Yes. Um, they don't just paint the walls. They uh, Oh, yes. It's one loving brushstroke at a time to repaint all of the bas-relief. Yeah, because they they would we would walk in and you could see them up there um, next to these reliefs, just, you know, kind of like what I always picture, you know, like the Sistine Chapel being painted. You know, I kind of felt like it was our own Sistine Chapel being painted. I think you're right. I think it was much the same, mm -hmm. except Michelangelo didn't design. <laughs> no. <laughs> but just to watch those reliefs come to life and the amazing work that they did um, was just, yeah, it was artistry. And we talked a little before about how the lighting changed and we weren't able to see or make out what the artwork was mm -hmm. in the ceiling. And myself and I know many other parishioners, um, the bas-reliefs in front, uh, or I should say over Mary's altar and St. Joseph's altar, I did not know existed. Oh. And they are stunning yeah. uh, pieces of art. And they were just obliterated by the darkness in the beige paint. So um, to see those, I remember my astonishment the first time I saw those. And then... Um, the nativity above the altar in the sanctuary was always very visible but very plain mm -hmm. and to see that come to life with all the new painting was also um, astonishing yeah so let's talk about um, they they went through and they repainted everything but they also added a lot of new marble all the marble was new. There was no marble in okay. the church beforehand. The original floor was <coughs> Casota stone from Minnesota, the original altar rail. Um, but as I tell the uh, visitors, our bishop had a vision of what this church should look like, and it included that beautiful marble floor. Um, the marble all came from Italy, uh, except for two colors, came from France. It was all cut in Italy to the exact size, crated up and brought into the cathedral, and then the masons laid the flooring. It was wow. one of the last things to be done uh, during the restoration was the marble flooring. And what a beautiful, the bishop's chair, the altar, and then the lector. Can you talk about all of those? Um, yes, I'll start by saying they are all new. Um, for the restoration, by the time we got around to doing the restoration, there was nothing le original left in the sanctuary, except for the sanctuary light okay. uh, hanging there. It's been there for 100 years now. Um, huh. So th we have what is uh, referred to as a creative restoration. What would the Mr. Masquerade have um, designed had he passed away, by the way, while the church was under construction? Oh. So many of the um, details weren't drawn out by him, and oh. including the fixtures for the sanctuary. So they were designed by uh, Duncan Stroik, the, uh, the architect hired for the restoration, who is currently the professor of architecture at Notre Dame. He worked with Mr. Masquerade's original plans to come up with the designs for the sanctuary. Hmm. So the um, bishop's chair, the wood in the sanctuary is um, white oak, the other marbles are um, Carrera and is Calicata Crema for the altar and the 
uh, ombo. Okay. Uh, and beautifully sculpted also oh by gosh, yeah. Cody Swanson, who is, uh, I believe he was a local artist, but currently lives and teaches in Florence, Italy. Wow. Um, so he um, sculpted most of what we see in the church that was new for the restoration, including that fabulous um, baptismal font in the entryway oh, of the wow. church. So the sculpture of Christ over the um, um, tabernacle mm-hmm. was designed by him, and the beautiful angels uh, in the canopy are the baldacchino over the main altar. Yeah, that baldacchino was uh, that was a surprise to me when I first saw it. I didn't know that they were going to put in um, that huge baldacchino. And for those that don't know what that is, that's just the huge canopy over the altar, and it just is gorgeous. It shows our reverence for the main altar. It actually mm-hmm. acts as a reliquary for the relics in the main altar. Well, and that's one thing, because I know I was talking with somebody else, and we were trying to remember who's in the altar, because every altar for um, Catholic churches, there is a little box, a little spot in the altar where there are relics of saints. And so I can remember, um, there are three, right? Right. I remember St. Maria Goretti. Also St. Thomas Becket and Pope St. Pius X. Oh, wonderful. (laughs) Right. I'm glad you remember. Two of of whom were martyred. Um, Beautiful. Yes. Beautiful. And and uh, just a little bit of information I always I like to add for people is the reason we do that in the Catholic Church is because the first masses were always said in catacombs or not always but mm-hmm. um, often over the bones and relics of saints or martyrs. Yeah. So in that honor, we have these relics embedded in our altars. It's just a beautiful tradition. Can you uh, just give uh, folks that are listening kind of. You know, we've talked about all the restoration. Can you kind of tell the folks things that they're going to see if they come to the cathedral? Just a I visual would, walk. Through. Right. Well, I would start from the outside, from the front of the cathedral, cause, because we have such a beautiful campus. Yeah. Beautiful uh, uh, gardens, uh, flower beds. Uh, our mother's garden is a treat. The bishop's house um, is a beautiful Queen Anne structure designed by Wallace Dow. We have the original... Um, what are now the diocesan offices and parish offices are in the old cathedral, grade school or high school. And that's a beautiful building, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have the, our Mater Ecclesia Monastery, where our sister live, and that has the beautiful chapel of Christ the High Priest. So if you're standing in the front of the cathedral, it, that's an <laughs> awe-inspiring yeah. sight just there. The uh, majesty of that front facade with its uh, two uh, twin spires, 185 feet tall. Um, the beautiful, graceful staircase. So as you go through the front doors of the cathedral, you come into the narthex, the entryway. Um, beautiful works of art there as well. We do have a statue of Kateritek Quitha there in St. Benedict. Again, um, and then the baptismal font that I mentioned. Mm -hmm. That's a beautiful space, too. But then when you walk into the cathedral itself, and I was trying to remember my first impression when I first walked into that cathedral, and what strikes a person, I think, most is just the space, the the height, the grandeur, the gracefulness. Um, And then you kind of focus in on the designs within the church itself. Um, The color, the warmth, 
the um, gracefulness, the peace. Um, and then when you start looking at the artwork um, and the beautiful marble. And the woodwork, too. The wood around, um, yes, over like, the, in the, uh, should say the choir loft. Yeah. Too. We have that, our beautiful organ. And then the confessionals are just gorgeous and old-fashioned. Old-fashioned confessional boxes, and that was restored to that level of the church because they had been moved down into the chapel beneath, and now oh. they are restored to the main level. Yeah. It's just awe-inspiring, and there's saints that surround us in the stained glass. That's right. I'm, I think of those as the um, cloud of witnesses mm. that we read about in the letter to the Hebrews, by whose example we are to run the race. Um, and so we do have a wonderful cross-section of humanity featured in our stained glass windows. Yeah, and then we have... Enormous circular ones. The rose window over the main organ is uh, is entitled Christ the King of the Nations. So there is Christ arrayed as king surrounded by people from all the nations of the earth. The rose windows in either transept, Mary's and Joseph's, um, in turn, Mary in the center holding the Christ child on her lap, surrounded by depictions of modern vocations of women, and St. Joseph's, he's holding a scale model of the cathedral surrounded by modern vocation of men. Mm -hmm. So this is um, one of the meanings in our church is um, devotion to the working class of the world. Yep, absolutely. Susan, it has been such a pleasure to have you on. Any last thoughts uh, that you'd like to I'll let the listeners know about the cathedral. There's so much. Oh, yeah. It's well <laughs> well worth it. And and thinking of it as a pilgrimage, especially, um, it's worth it just for the art, as you would go to the sculpture walk or any museum or yeah. art gallery. Um, but spiritually, you know, we are fed by the, the architecture in that building, mm -hmm. and that is its intent, yeah. to lift our minds and hearts to the Lord. So that's what we see when we walk into the space. Yeah, it's absolutely gorgeous, and we are so blessed to have it here in Sioux Falls. It is a blessing. Yeah, it is. Susan, thank you so much. You're very welcome, it's Heather. It's been a pleasure. All right, folks, Susan Albers, if you wanted to hear more about the Cathedral of St. Joseph, you can always check it out on their website. Um, and if you wanted to make a pilgrimage here, just give the parish a call, and they'll let you know when they are open. Um, coming up next, I am going to be talking with one of my friends, Monsignor Charles Mangan. He has been assigned to Maryland. He is from the Diocese of Sioux Falls. We're going to see what he's up to in Maryland. So stick with us. We'll be back with more Real Presence Live right after this. Live, engaging, and local, this is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network.